Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campy, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campy Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions that you guys send in via the tip link. Thank you guys so much for that support. But we usually don't have enough time to get around to all the live questions that get sent in, but I want to make sure those questions get answered as quickly as possible so we gather them up and we address them here on companion videos. Now, this companion video is being recorded on Monday, May the 3rd. Funny thing, uh, some of you who are around the YouTube channel might notice this. We actually tried to do this companion video live. I was getting ready to record it, and I just thought, last second, hey, why don't we make this a live event? So we tried to do it live, but we kept getting this error message. Let me bring this up. We kept getting this error message from YouTube saying live streaming isn't available right now. And it stayed on that error message for like 20 minutes. We eventually had to cancel the stream and I got on with YouTube support and the tech guy who I was talking with said they can't figure out the problem. They know there's a problem. Everything is right on my end, they said, but they can't figure it out. So they had to elevate it to the next level of tech above them, I guess, but they can't get back to me for a few hours. So here we are just recording it and going the normal way of doing companion video. None of you care about all that information. I just felt like venting, and you are my virtual therapist right now, so I just thought I'd let you know about that. Okay, guys, with all that done out of the way, let's get into getting caught up on your live comments and questions, shall we? And we're going to start getting caught up here with Aaron E., who writes, Hey, John. I loved Invincible, but I really think the show should have been rated NC-17. I know it was animated, but that train scene in the finale, along with what happened to Red Rush, had me nauseous. I haven't felt that way since we saw movies. Thoughts? I disagree completely. I mean, I get it. I mean, a lot of the stuff was very um, visceral, and there was it was very raw and very gory in some places, but the reality is it was animated. It was animated. It was animated gore and violence. And really, to be NC-17, you got to really go. First of all, it's got to be live action. And then it's got to go really above and beyond. The only way an animated thing is getting an NC-17 is like for hardcore sexual stuff. Like, that's pretty much it. And maybe if Invincible was live action and had that level of gore, even then I'm not sure it gets an NC-17. But... As an animated thing, it absolutely doesn't. And like I said, without a lot of nudity and sex and things like that, I really don't see him doing it. So personally, I know it made you nauseous, but you're an adult, right? You're an adult. The ratings have nothing to do with adults. Whether something is PG-13, R, or NC-17, that doesn't affect adults at all. It's only about whether kids watch it. And by the way, this is a television show. There aren't NC. There is no NC-17 rating for television shows right? It can be TV mature. It can be called TVM, like TV mature, but there is no NC-17 R whatever for TV. That's for movies and the Motion Picture Association of America to do. It's not a television thing. And the only thing it does even for movies is it just movie theaters voluntarily follow the rating system, but it's a voluntary thing. They don't have to if they don't want to, but they all do. And the only difference between R and NC-17 is that in an R-rated movie, if you're under 18, you have to be accompanied by an adult. NC-17 means the theaters won't even let you in, even if you are with one of your parents. But that's why most movie theaters won't carry NC-17. But again, it's this is completely separate because it's a TV show. There is no such thing as NC-17 for TV. So there's that. Keep that in mind. All right. But even if it was a movie, I don't think it would be NC-17. I really don't. All right. Next up. 
We've got, uh, where's that OnlyFans? Of course, the John Campy OnlyFans. Send me $10 or I'll send you naked pictures of my ass. Okay, I'm going to make millions on this. Uh, Where's my OnlyFans rights? Hey, John, my wife and I decided to watch the Toy Story Quadrilogy. Always a good decision. uh, This past Sunday. It had been a while since we saw them. Honestly, these movies have held up amazingly. Well, uh, have held up amazingly well. But, damn it. Uh, I can't believe I began crying like a baby during each one of these. Um, also, uh, you were there for Andy all the way, and then you got a second chance with Bonnie. Tell me it was as beautiful as it sounds. Um, it was. Me equals tears. That line wrecked me more than I care to admit. Toy Story 4 gets a ton of hate for existing, but it's brilliant. Yeah, I've never understood that. It, it's such an idiotic point of view to say, Oh, the last movie was great. Don't do another one or that's ridiculous. Everybody was saying that after toy story two, after toy story two and people, they started talking about doing toy story three. There was everybody denies it now, but I remember there was an ass ton of people going, why are they doing toy story three? Toy story two was perfect. They're going to ruin it. There's no, no need to do toy story three. And then what happened? They did Toy Story 3. It was amazing. I think it's the best of the series. It got nominated for Best Picture of the Academy Awards, blah, blah, blah. And then you'd think people would have learned their lesson. But no, they announced Toy Story 4. And again, the same chirp, chirp, chirp that we got after Toy Story 2. Oh, why are they doing Toy Story 4? Toy Story 3 was perfect. It's like, you guys do remember you were saying the same fucking thing after Toy Story 2, right? And look, now you're talking about how great Toy Story 3 is. And yes, Toy Story 4 was awesome. I still prefer, I don't think it's the best of the franchise or anything, but I thought it was incredible, wonderful, a great different ending than the ending of Toy Story 3. I thought it was fantastic. I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right, next up, uh, we've got Jay Bling writes, when I suggested a League of Titans movie, because Jay Bling wrote in about this a, a couple of days ago, when I suggested a League of Titans movie for the MonsterVerse, to me, it's not about going bigger, even though it would be. It's about uh, what they haven't done yet, because you've also said the MonsterVerse shouldn't turn into a monster of the week. Well, yeah, you don't want Godzilla versus Mothra, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, Godzilla versus you know, whatever monster of the week, you do have to mix that up a little bit. Like you absolutely, you're right. They have to mix it up a little bit. And I do feel they need to tell good stories with stronger human characters, which is why I suggested they should do a solo, a a new solo Godzilla movie. First, that aims to fix that issue, particularly since it's been a bigger issue with Godzilla than Kong. Yeah, but that can change in, in any given way. Look, the only thing I was saying, Jay Bling, was that because there, there are some people that say, well, when you do the next movie, it's got you got to go bigger. No, you can go smaller as long as you tell a great movie. As long as you tell a great story and make a wonderful movie that's great for us to watch, it can be about a mad titan trying to wipe out half life in the universe, or it can be about an ex-con trying to get his life back together and save his family in Ant-Man, right? You don't have to go bigger in order to be great. And so I, I agree with you. Like, listen, there, you don't do bigger just for the sake of being bigger. Well, we did Godzilla versus Kong. Now we got have to do Godzilla versus Kong versus this versus that versus the other thing versus giant woman versus like bigger is not necessarily the answer. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing in and of itself, but it's not necessarily the answer. So I agree with what you're saying. They do have to, they absolutely have to fix how they do their human characters. There's no doubt about that, Jay Bling. I think everybody agrees with that. So I'm right there with you on that. All right, next up. Uh, Shackle Money writes, uh, 
Hey, John, big fan. Thank you so much. I was wondering, how does Box Office Mojo know how much movies cost to make? Are production companies obliged to declare the cost of a movie? Thanks. No, they're not officially obliged, but I think there's inside industry sources where they do report what they're spending on the movie and stuff like that. Uh, But no, there's no like, um, it's not like, they're, they are under an obligation to release the number that they're spending for a movie. But, you know, shareholders have a right to know it's being spent, so there are official reports, and they probably just have those channels. Look, I don't work at Box Office Mojo, so I don't know for sure. But but I just assume it's probably from those, you know, inside industry circulations that they get those number from. Again, I don't work at Box Office Mojo. But that's pretty much my guess on it. I don't think it's that big of a mystery. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, Shuckle Money. Next up, Shuckle Money also writes, Our production companies uh, earn money from watching the trailers to their movies on YouTube. Yeah, I got to imagine that they do. Uh, who earns the money? The publisher companies? It's probably the distributors. The distributors, I'm guessing, because remember, in every movie, there's two major companies at play the production company that makes the movies, the distribution companies that then take those movies and decide where they go. And they're also the ones responsible for doing all the publicity, spending all the money for the marketing, all the P&A money, all that kind of stuff. So you got the production company that makes the movie, dist- distribution company. I'm going to, I believe any money that's generated on YouTube for trailers is probably somewhere, it's probably belongs with uh, the distribution companies. Now, the thing is, it's not that much money. It's really not much money. You know, the average, you know, movie trailer will get, I don't know, like uh, like a big movie trailer, they get like 10 million views or whatever, right? You got to remember, YouTube economy is actually fairly small you on average get about 1500 bucks for every million views. So for every million views a channel gets, you will roughly get about $1,500. Some will be a bit higher. Some might be a little bit lower, but it works out around, you know, spitballing around 1500 bucks. So, you know, a, a trailer gets 20 million views. Well, great. You're getting 20, uh, $20,000. Or really thirty thousand dollars. You're getting like thirty thousand dollars, forty thousand dollars, whatever. To you and me, that's huge. To uh, to one of these big Hollywood companies, that's what they're going to spend just on, you know, flying their star out to a press conference or whatever. So, yeah, there is money being made, but by Hollywood's you know standards, it's really just a drop in the bucket. It's really not much. All right, next up, um, Christian uh, Corbett writes. Hey, John, I love the show. Thank you so much. Longtime fan. I was wondering what you uh, what you thought was better decade for film, the 2000s or the 2010s. I, I couldn't answer that question off the top of my head, Christian. I, I, do, I don't know. I would have to sit down and do an, a full analysis of the decade of the 2000s, what movies there were, and not just the top five or six, but like the, the 50 top movies of the decades and, and really break that on down. And that's not information I carry around off the top of my head. Um, so I don't really have an answer for that. It's a totally fair question. And I invite everybody to discuss and debate it down in the comments section, but it's not an answer. I, that's not something I just walk around with in the top of my head. So I, I can't, I'm going to have to do a push on this. I, I can't give it an answer to that one, uh, uh, unfortunately, but thanks for asking, man. All right. Proud monkeys fan writes, Hey, Hey with the monkeys. Anyway. Hey, John and co as I understand it, 
Usually when an actor signs with Marvel, it's for a certain number of films. Yes. Um, if they do a series for Disney+, Plus, does it count as one film towards fulfilling that contract? Just wondering. It's a great question. Now, here's the thing. So now what, what Marvel doesn't want to have happen anymore, because Marvel knows when they make their movies, they're making franchises, right? So what they don't want to have happen is make one movie with an actor and they negotiate a salary for the actor and the movie turns out fairly successful and they're going to do another one. And now the actor wants 10 times the amount of money. Well, Marvel's screwed. The actor has all the power because if they want to do another one of those movies, I mean, they can recast, but you know, the best thing to do is bring back the original actor and Marvel doesn't like to break the bank on doing that. And, and rightfully so actors shouldn't make $20 million a movie. I'm sorry. They shouldn't. Anyway, they're not even the ones who write the movies or write the scripts or come up with it or finance the movies or anything. They should not get paid $20 million for four months of work. Anyway, that's a whole nother side argument from me. But, but what they do is, so now when you sign up and they say, okay, okay, kid, you get to play Kamala Khan in the new Ms. Marvel. Congratulations. But you got to sign a commitment for a minimum of five films. Because they don't want to have to deal with her and coming up with a new salary for her, the second film, and, and then have to go through some big public battle. Five film minimum deal. If you want to be Ms. Marvel, sign it. If not, we'll move on. That's why Joaquin Phoenix didn't want to play Doctor Strange. He just did not want to sign a multi-film contract. And so Marvel said, well, we would love to have you as Doctor Strange, but if we can't get a commitment out of you, then we're going to move on to, the, to somebody else. And they ended up with Benedict Cumberbatch, who was willing to sign a multi-film deal, and that's worked out great because he's fantastic in the role. What it does not mean, though, is it does not mean that Marvel is obligated to use you in five films. Even if you fi sign a five-film deal, all that means is Five times that they want you to come in and appear as that character, you are obligated to appear. But it does not mean that they are obligated to put you in those movies. A great example of that is Terrence Howard, who was Rhodey in Iron Man, and then they decided to swap out and go with Don Cheadle in Iron Man 2. They can do that. Doesn't matter what the contract says. Now, as far as how this pertains to television, television is a completely different agreement you have to make. So let's say that Chris Helmsworth just signed a new 10 film deal with the MCU. The MCU can't come to him and say, Hey, by the way, we want to use up one of those, uh, one of those films in the deal for you to be in a Thor conquest of the galaxy, Disney plus series. They can't do that. Anything you do for television is a totally separate agreement that has to be signed. So signing a five film deal does not obligate you to appear in a television show. It's one of the big reasons why uh, Justice League that went on HBO Max, which was originally planned to be a four-part series, they couldn't reach agreements with all the talent because it meant an entirely new set of agreements had to be reached. They couldn't do it, so they just released it as a movie. If you're going to do a TV show, so the answer to your question is no. It does not count towards doing a Disney Plus series. That has to be completely negotiated from scratch from scratch as a completely separate deal. Anyway, great question, Proud Monkeys. All right, next up, we got Godzilla's wife. I like that name. Godzilla's wife writes, uh, one of two. I think part of the reason why this Demon Slayer movie is so good, which I don't know if it's any good, I haven't seen it, uh, is because it is canon. 
something can be canon and be completely crap. Just keep that in mind. Now, it doesn't like uh, it doesn't like other manga movie. After you watch it, after you watch, you can just tell yourself it doesn't matter at all. I watched it with my friend who didn't watch the show, but she still enjoy it very much and cry. The animation and action is stunning. Uh, it just became the number one box office film of 2020, surpassing Mortal Kombat in the U.S. Can't wait to watch season two. Uh, come out this year. Uh, this is a good time to be a fan. Rob should go watch it. Love your show. Well, thank you so much, man. And again, I don't have any interest in it. I've been told by several people because I almost went to go see it. And then I watched the trailer. And I thought, well, I'm not, I, I, I had, I didn't think the trailer was good at all. Anyway, so I lost my interest in seeing it. Then I had a bunch of you guys telling me that you really have to watch the show in order to even understand what's going on. Well, I'm not about to commit 10 hours watching a show I'm not interested in just so I can go see a movie I'm not interested in. But I'm super thrilled for the people who do like Demon Slayer. They get to have a big screen experience with it. It's fantastic that they get to have that wonderful. It's not for me. I was almost, again, I was right ready. I was on AMC's website. I was getting ready to get mine and Ann's tickets for it. And then Ann said, well, there's the trailer. Let's watch it. Watch the trailer. And I shut the page down. I didn't want to watch the movie after that. But I'm super thrilled for people who are into it and they get to enjoy it. All right, next up. Uh, the Candace, the Canadian kid, I should say. The Canadian kid, CJ writes. After watching for almost 10 years, I finally send in a message. Well, thank you for sending in a message, and thank you for watching for nearly 10 years, man. I appreciate that. I finally send in a message. I first came across your video completely disagreeing with your opinion. That's great. It's it's good to agree. It's good to disagree. That's the fun in being film fans together. Anyway, however, thanks to you, I've learned that people don't uh, I don't share an opinion with can still be pretty awesome. Hashtag filthy for life. Um, and always and, and again, Canadian kid also writes. I always like to leave my narrative expectations of a movie at the door. Just tell me a good story. But if Doctor Strange two doesn't explain where the hell he was during WandaVision, then I'm punching fools. Uh, Loki's made a second New York trip, and it was portaled up ASAP. Yeah, listen, I'm going to disagree with you completely. You don't have to explain where Doctor Strange was any more than they have to explain where was Ant-Man, any more than they have to explain where was Falcon the Winter Soldier when a problem with a fellow Avenger was going on, any more than you have to explain anything. And remember, generally speaking, the sorcerers don't concern themselves with terrestrial issues all that much. And yes, Wanda is a magic user, that's still not really their concern. Not to mention, don't forget, the events of WandaVision don't take place over the course of three months. It happens over the course of a couple of days. Doctor Strange may not be. And again, this is this goes to my big frustration with fellow film fans over anything that's shared cinematic universe. Every time there's a movie or a situation, why didn't all the other Avengers come? Because it's not their show or it's not their movie. That's why. Let them tell individual stories. Every time there's a problem, Doctor Strange doesn't need to show up. He doesn't need to show up. I mean, why didn't he show up in Falcon and the Winter Soldier? He's in New York. This big problem was going on in New York. How come Spider-Man didn't show up? You know why? Because it's not called Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. It was called Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's their show. It's their story. So why didn't Falcon call Doctor? You know what? You're just going to, we just need to accept that as fans of cinematic universe stuff that they need to tell individual chapters and they need to tell individual stories and they need to focus on other characters from time to time. So no, they're not, not every movie is going to be the Avengers 
you know, 4.1. And the next thing is actually going to be Avengers 4.2. And because otherwise that's what every single one of these shows and every single one of these movies is going to turn out. And I can already hear it. I can already hear it. She-Hulk's going to come out and people are going to go, why didn't Spider-Man come help? Right? I mean, it's because it's not called She-Hulk and Spider-Man, right? So no, they absolutely do not need to answer where was Doctor Strange. He could have been doing a million other things. He could have been doing, literally, he could have been doing a million other things. So that, so I'm going to disagree with you on that, brother. I'm going to disagree with you. They do not need to explain that whatsoever. Anyway, next up, uh, we got Lord G writes, uh, here's a recommendation for the John Campion community. FX's Snowfall. I keep hearing great things about it. Uh, just finished their fourth season with a fifth planned. It's a fictional crime drama based on the 80s crack academic, uh, epidemic in Los Angeles, including the CIA's role. Yeah, it does a good job of explaining why something like this would happen to the black community and how and the lead actor uh, Damson Idris is really fantastic. Slowly, we see the evolution of a drug kingpin in a manner that's far more realistic than Breaking Bad. Uh, it's got style, grit, and substance. Watch on Hulu. Yeah, I don't have time to watch everything everybody's watching and everything that looks good. Um, and so I never did get around to watching uh, Snowfall. I, I don't necessarily plan on it. But everyone that I do know that has watched it really likes it. I mean, and it's a testimony that's made it four seasons. I mean, obviously it's doing something really right. And I think the commercials have all looked good, but again, there's a lot of shows on TV that look good to me that I don't have time to watch. And I have so many things lined up in my queue that I got to get to. So I, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get around to it. It'll probably be a couple of years before I do. But again, I've heard nothing but good things about it. And Lord G, because you just recommended it, I bet there's a bunch of people watching this video right now that were on the fence about checking it out, and now they're going to go watch it. So good for you for doing that, man. All right, next up. Uh, BK Dan writes, John, just wanted to put this movie series on your radar, The Gamers. They're on YouTube, about five hours total for all three. It's about a bunch of D&Ders and their games. I've never heard of it, and I've heard most of the role-playing game stuff that gets put out there, but I've never heard of the gamers. I will keep my eye open for it. Thanks for the recommendation on that, BK Dan. All right, next up, Ryan Loner writes, The Falcon the Winter Soldier crew are now saying that all those coy references to Steve being gone are because Kevin Feige actually refused to give them any solid info on whether he's still alive, so they had to just fudge it. I told you guys, right? Like, in the if you guys watched our spoiler discussions the day after the uh, Falcon, the winter soldier episodes would air. And I said, did you notice that all they said was Steve is they kept saying the word gone. They didn't say dead. They hadn't said died. They didn't say deceased. They didn't say passed on. They said gone, which means he could be on the moon. He could be in Tahiti sipping Mai Tais. He could have just removed himself from the picture. They did not say he's dead. And obviously we know he's not dead because we've seen the report the reports that, you know, that Chris Evans has secretly signed on. And, and by the way, these reports didn't come from Gus's gas station movie reviews dot fart or any kind of ridiculous sites like that. It came from deadline. It came from the Hollywood reporter. Now, Chris Evans and Kevin Feige have denied it. But when it comes from real news sites, we like deadline of the Hollywood reporter and stuff like that, or variety or the or the uh, entertainment weekly or the rap or whatever, I believe it. I believe it. So, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all, uh, Ryan. It doesn't surprise me at all. All right, next up. Uh, Estevel writes, 
Without remorse, Michael B. Jordan was excellent. The story and execution was horrible. I completely agree with both of those sentiments. When your pregnant wife is killed, you don't join a team to go on a mission. You become a lone wolf like John Wick and destroy everyone. No clear purpose, boring villain. Well, I mean, hold a second, Estevel. Let's not dictate. You and I don't get to say what somebody in that type of a horrible situation would do. You have no idea what somebody in that situation would do. Neither do I. Like maybe he just realized the only way he's he's going to get justice if he joins up with a team and all that kind of stuff because he needs the resources. He needs the ability to do that. Again, it's not up to you or I to say what somebody in that sort of situation would do. I'm not going to go into my full review right now. We're going to talk about it on the John Campus show tomorrow, but I was tremendously disappointed in Without Remorse. Like tremendously disappointed. Um, the, the action they had was pretty good, although it was badly shot, but the action that they had was pretty good. Some pretty good set pieces. Michael B. Jordan. I mean, Michael B. Jordan is Michael B. Jordan. He's money. He's absolute money every time he's on screen, but yeah, the story was gibberish. There are so many massive logic holes. I mean, really you wanted him there. Then how come this, 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 none of these things make sense if ultimately the bad guys wanted him there. If you haven't seen it, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, it was a bad movie. Without Remorse is a bad movie, which is too bad, because if you guys saw me talk about it on the John Campus show, I was super excited for this thing, especially when the trailers came out. I'm like, sign me up. This looks awesome. But yeah, it ended up being, uh, well, no wonder it went straight to streaming and not to theaters, because it's pretty much a lazy fart of a movie. All right, next up. Uh, Obster writes, very excited about the sizzle reel that randomly dropped. Eternals looks brilliant. I loved Wakanda forever as a title. So did I. And Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 3 is finally tangible. The Marvels is a dreadful name, but eh, whatever. It's just a title. I don't agree. I think when, look, when we heard a while ago that Ms. Marvel is going to appear in Captain Marvel 2, I think calling it uh, especially since Ms. Marvel is going to have her own Disney Plus show. This is a this is a new prime character. And so there's got to be some reference. Like even whether you call it Captain Marvel 2, The Rise of Ms. Marvel, or whether you call it something out, I think calling it The Marvels and having it all in Captain Marvel's font, except for the S on the end being the logo of Ms. Marvel. I think this is actually a really good title. But I agree. Titles are Titles are nothing more but marketing material. Titles don't make a movie any better or any worse. That doesn't mean there aren't good titles and bad titles, but they're good or bad depending on how well they market the film. And personally, I think this is a really clever way to market it. Call it the Marvels, all in Captain Marvel's font, except for that one little S on the end. That's the Ms. Marvel uh, symbol. I thought it was really good. Not as good as Wakanda Forever, granted, but I thought it was really good. So I, I personally enjoyed that, officer. I really did. All right, anyway, next up. Uh, Raymond Vrata writes, The new Marvel announcements were great. Uh, with the Nomadland win, Marvel rides the Oscar wave with teaser images from Eternals. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and the, the Marvels, Captain Marvel and Photon, and Ms. Marvel, uh, look like ensemble stories. Uh, last thing, it's all Mephisto. Yeah, it's all Mephisto. Which brings up a great question. Like, out of all the great things we saw, in that little three to four minute video they put out, like how much could they pack into one video? But, well, the best thing about the video to me was the Stan Lee speech about the importance and the greatness of going to the movies. 
of going to be around other people and watching these stories. And they show a little clip from the theater from Endgame. And he talks about that guy next to you, that's your brother. That woman sitting over there, that's your sister. And we are all part of one universe. And there's nothing I love more than being around people and talking about the greatness of going to the movies. But I would kind of say that maybe my favorite part and maybe the most telling going along with what you're saying, uh, uh, Raymond, about the the announcement, the video this morning, was probably the Eternals. Because I'll tell you what, if Chloe Zhao didn't win Best Picture and Best Director at the Academy Awards, I think they might have just flashed up the title card like they did for most of them. Like most of the upcoming movies, they just flashed the title card, right? For most of the upcoming movies. But for Eternals, like they didn't show us, a, they didn't flash any footage from Spider-Man No Way Home, even though that movie comes out before Eternals. No, 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 that comes out after. That comes out after. I take that back. But I think Eternals is coming late enough that I bet they probably wouldn't have even shown anything except for the fact that, you know, they're going to ride this momentum right now. Again, you guys know, I have been told by someone inside that they believe, now this is just one person's opinion, but still, that they believe Eternals is the best movie they've ever made over there. They think it's the best movie Marvel's ever made. Now, again, I always say this whenever I bring that up. That is only one person's opinion. I haven't seen Eternals, so I don't have an opinion. And maybe I'll agree with this person's opinion, maybe I won't. But we've heard other people report as well that the, the execs at, at Marvel are floored with what they've seen in Eternals. They're floored by it. And now with Chloe winning Best Director, and she is the reigning, defending, undisputed Best Director in the world, at least for this year, and she just won Best Picture, they're going to really start to roll with that. And I think we're going to see a lot more promotion of Eternals based on that moving forward. So I got to say, for me, I think probably the most exciting thing seeing uh, out of that thing was the first bit of footage from Eternals. And of course, that one shot, man, uh, we showed it on the John Campus show earlier today, but that one shot of uh, Angelina Jolie with the sword with that was transparent in some areas of the gold engraving. Oh my God, that looked awesome. And so to me, that was probably the best thing we saw. Again, the Wakanda Forever reveal title, perfect title. Wakanda Forever is a perfect title. The the Marvels, I think that is a great title for that, especially considering Ms. Marvel is going to be in there with Captain Marvel. Um, you know, uh, just seeing Fantastic Four, even though it didn't have a release date, just seeing it go up there with all these other Marvel films coming. Now, again, noticeable by their absence. Anything regarding Blade, that was noticeable. They're making Blade, but still no word on Blade. We know they're doing Deadpool 3, but there was nothing about Deadpool 3. Uh, nothing about X-Men, even though we know eventually there's X-Men are coming, but probably not, probably till 2024 or something. But, you know, so there were a number of projects that were very noticeable. Nothing about Captain America 4, even though we just heard that there's going to be a Captain America 4, but whatever. So there were still a number of things noticeable by their absence. But to me, the best thing we saw in there was getting that new footage from the Eternals. Notwithstanding just the Stanley opening, but as far as the new stuff and the upcoming slate, I love the stuff they showed us from Eternals, even though it's just a few seconds. But it's that word I made up, that tangibilization. You could, it just was now real. It just now felt real. And it was great for me to see. All right, just got time for a couple more here, guys. Donnie Yasu writes, 
I love Marvel's love letter to cinema today. So did I. It was so good with Stan Lee's words and everything. Uh, We have four MCU movies this year, next year, and possibly in 2023. It feels like a superhero landing to save movie theaters. Well, don't forget, not only do we have a bunch of MCU movies this year and then a bunch of MCU movies next year, we've also got a bunch of DC movies coming next year, too. And some of them very excited, particularly Matt Reeves' Batman, right? Andy Muschietti's The Flash is coming. So we've got, I believe it's four movies, DC movies coming next year. Four, I think it's four. It's three or four. I think it's four. Anyway, MC movies. So we got seven or eight movies coming in 2022 from the big two, right? So it is an exciting time, Donnie. It is an exciting time. All right, the next Captain America writes, Hey, John, and maybe Rob. Rob's not here, obviously, right now. Uh, My question is, Loki, can't wait for the show, but my question is, do you think he will be in Thor 4? Them two together are so great. I'm hoping so. I hope so. I hope so. Now, look, I'll tell you right now, I cannot remember off the top of my head. And by the way, as of this recording, there was just a new little promo spot was just aired for the Loki series. We'll probably talk about it tomorrow on the John Campus show, but they just dropped a new little Loki promo spot that was aired during an NBA game. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. I cannot remember off the top of my head. I'm sure many of you guys know, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Um... If Thor Love and Thunder was supposed to come out before the Loki series or not. So for now, I'm going to assume Loki was supposed to come out first. And then anyway, so obviously it'll all depend on how this Loki series goes. If I had to give an over under line, I would say I would guess 30% chance, 33%. So I'll say one third, a one in three chance that Loki appears in Thor Love and Thunder. Because you're right. Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth together on screen are awesome. Now, you don't want to always do the same things, but I think there's a solid 30% chance that we get Loki uh, in Thor Love and Thunder. We'll find out. We'll find out. All right, last question of the day, guys. Comes to us from Connor, who writes, Have you seen the movie Four Brothers? Oh, yes, I have. With Tyrese Gibson and Mark Wahlberg. Also, don't forget, you have, uh, we, we were just talking about Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard is in that movie. One of my favorite actors in the world right now, most underrated actor in the world, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. That guy will have Oscars on his mantle before it's all said and done. Uh, he was in that, Gonna he's in obviously Mordo and Doctor Strange is going to be in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness too. Um, very good movie. Like not, you know, one of my top 50 all-time favorite movies, but a very, very good movie. Not a lot of people bring it up, but it's quite good. So good on you, Connor. All right, I said that was, yeah, yeah, I should call it a day. We've gone over a half hour. I told myself I'd only go a half hour on this day. So listen, guys. So tomorrow on the John Campia Show, we'll pick up in the live questions part with Remy, uh, John's famous twin, and onwards. There's just a, a few pages left here. So come back and join us for that. But for now, guys, That'll do it for this installment of the companion video. Thank you so much for tuning in and watching this. And special thank you to all of you guys who use that tip link and send in those questions and comments. Because number one, you give us great fun things to talk about. But number two, when you do it, you're supporting this channel. And all of us who are involved here with the John Campy YouTube channel, thank you guys very, very much for that support. Okay, guys, remember, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.